Good morning Europe, your Gaia X updates, live from London, by the Uptime Punks and Echo. Welcome back for your Gaia X update, your monthly dose of what's going on in the universe. And uh, today we actually have Francesco Bonfilio um, on board. For those who don't know, he's the CEO of Gaia X. And uh, we are not only happy, but also very honored to have him here. And yeah, um, on this talk with the Uptime Punks. <laughs> Hi Francesco. Yeah, unfortunately it's audio only, but he's already dancing. <laughs> uh, Thank you very much for the introduction, yeah. Tim. Thank you. It's it, it's like you're Britain. You meet the Queen and the King. It's like quite similar to that. Yes, be, yes, because we actually have the Queen as well. We have Emma, um, Emma Verwein from Echo here. Well, I had long hair, so be careful. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we are a very inclusive podcast, so <laughs> however you identify, you are welcome. As long as you know stuff about Gaia X, um, that's fine. Yeah, Emma will be leading today's talks, but I uh, will fire a couple of questions uh, in your direct uh, direction um, real quick, because we want the audience to get to know you as a human and as a techie, and then also as uh, the CEO of Gaia X later on. So Francesco, can you can you can you drop brand names? I guess so. So I'll just ask you, what what was your first mobile phone? Motorola <laughs> StarTac, long time ago. Okay. <laughs> what was the best feature you remember about it? The flip cover, and I still love to have one like that. Now that, it, the, that we have the new ones, yes. Do you know? Have you do you remember the StarTac? Well, yeah. you, you didn't have one, of course, but basically <laughs> you had the keyboard covered by this, uh, the cover and you could flip it. And so it was thick, quite heavy, but small. And, uh, and that's what I like. Uh, what I don't like about smartphones today, they're quite big, useful, but big. And that one was small. Well, actually, Samsung, they made a new one now, which is a flip one, and they made a smaller version, which fits in tiny handbags, because there's a new trend of the smaller the handbag, the more expensive it is. Yeah, because and there's the, the flippable screen. Uh, at that yes. time, there was no nothing like that. It was not even touch screen, but it was small. You could put it in your pocket without pushing the buttons. It was good. Um, yeah, and possibly that, that was not the last one, but it was the best I've, I've ever, ever had. It was a Palm One. Um, maybe some of you have heard about it, but when I worked for HP, I've been working for a few years for HP. HP, at a certain, a certain point in time, bought Palm. Palm was the inventor of Palm OS, and they have the patent mm -hmm. for the you know graph recognition. They were the first. Possibly they were too early. So at a certain point in time, they were bought by HP and HP decided to jump into the market of smartphones and made this fantastic smartphone, which, uh, for which uh, uh, we developed a web OS, which is now the operating system. You find all, you know, the HP printers and many others, an open, open source operating system based on Linux. Anyway, it was a completely new gesture, completely new operating system. It was the first uh, smartphone with inductive charging uh, it was absolutely uh, fantastically cased. And after one year, they dismissed it. So I was pretty upset. 
<laughs> because they said, well, we cannot compete with Apple. And I said, well, one year is possibly too short. You should wait a little bit. <laughs> They've been in the market for a while. But they didn't That's... take your advice. And here we are. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> and here we are. Yeah. Um, so, so smartphones and, and, and phones is one thing, but we also want to know what's, what was your first computer then? Oh, my God. Uh, there was a, um, what was the name? It was um, the first Mac. Um, what was the name? The, the big one, only one. Um, uh, actually, I used to study on it. Um, it was Apple not a Mac. One? The, no, the Apple not one. Sure. The Apple one was, is not, it was the, after the Apple one. It was the uh, one that made Apple uh, famous. It was a all-in-one monitor, uh, hard disk, uh, and everything. And um, mm. it would come to my mind. But Macintosh, it was a is it? Yeah, yeah it was it was Macintosh, Macintosh. Yes, yeah. it was the first Macintosh. And then I had a Atari, and I used it to learn Cubase because I've always been playing music, and Cubase was the master. Um, the master software to to um, to record music and compose music, and then I moved to actually I moved to Windows after moving to Unix because I've been using a lot of Unix in my past ages, and to me PCs were only good for running tests on, on my real time embedded software. So yeah, is that is that what got you into tech? Like you seem to be quite a techie guy. I think he was in, into tech already. Then. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, was... I, I wonder what was what, what drove your passion. Like, I mean, you speak so passionate about the phone, about the computer. So, where, when did Francesco have his first contact with technology? Well, I tell you the truth. As a child, uh, my, my yeah, my, well, not really. Uh, uh, when I was a child, I wanted to become a musician. Mm -hmm. My family was not very much rich so they told me <laughs> my mom asked a few people uh, I, I was pretty i'm still pretty good at playing music but uh, at that time uh my mother did not believe i could make my money and uh, and create my own life and my family with music so uh, i decided to go for electronics and so my background is uh, electronic engineering and uh, I quite liked it because when I started working, uh, I started in a company that was the, 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 the only private company in, in Italy working for military and defense uh, R&D. Now they are part of uh, Leonardo, which is the largest group, one of the largest group in the, in the world of doing that stuff. But at that time, um, we really designed things that did not exist. So I started from analog um, design, so analog uh, electronics design. I moved to digital. I moved to firmware. I moved to assembly. Then I started uh, Ada 83, Ada 95, object-based, object-oriented languages, C, C++, Java, and, uh, and on and on and on. So the, the, the good thing is that when you work in uh, real-time embedded software, you have to write your own operating systems. You cannot run commercial operating systems on a, I don't know, on a fighter aircraft or, or on a naval system. Uh, you really get to know the nitty gritty of a CPU, of, of, of your machine, of, of the software. When you control a motor, a stepping motor to control the mirror that uh, control the, the infrared beam 
that uh, helps the fighter aircraft to follow um, the route. Well, how can I say? I, I was grown up seeing software and technology translated into physical things. Mm-hmm. I think most of the people approaching software today uh, are not fortunate because they do not see the outcomes or they do not see all the gearings of the stuff they are developing and you lose kind of contact with the real world. Mm-hmm. In, in my age, I started bottom up, really bottom. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I think I was lucky because I had the chance to see exactly how technology works, ex- exactly what you can make with technology and also what type of disasters you can do if you do not get control of technology. I made an interview some time ago that was interesting because I said, I lived the two eras. The first era was the one where software and technology were there to support human beings to get control on their machinery and, uh, and processes to make them more automated. And the problem was you know, getting more automation and getting smarter uh, software machinery. Nowadays, it's the other way around. You don't really know exactly what your software is doing mm-hmm. and you start to feel out of control. And when you apply this to artificial intelligence, distributed systems, and all the, all the stuff that you know, uh, you can imagine this world is becoming pretty peculiar. When, when we talk about the digital twin, it's not something we can articulate and think about and maybe will happen in the future. It's already here. It's just, I have my digital twins everywhere. They are surrounding me when I work, when I travel, when I buy, when I eat. And, uh, and, and given I am a bottom-up guy, sometimes I feel uncomfortable uh, with all this technology around me and I would like to have a little bit more of control. That's why you need Gaia X. Yeah, is this why you are uh, the right guy for um, Gaia X? Yeah, now, now you realize I'm a very good speaker and I brought you exactly where I wanted you to go. So, <laughs> I, I, yeah. But we don't want to go there yet because. Um, oh, yeah, we have other questions. So, 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 during the period of lockdown, everybody somehow has found themselves um, in some sort of isolation or whatever you want to call it. And they needed some bit of change. So, everybody bought themselves a COVID gadget. What is your COVID gadget? What was your what was your item of rest that you purchased over the last eighteen months to find some sanity? I don't know if I should say a Porsche Cayman. Oh. All right, that okay. sounds good. <laughs> it was a dream since I was a child, and I decided that I'm fifty six almost. So. That's right. You're the um, second guy who got a car. Another guy got himself a Mini Cooper working desk in his office. So it's a (laughs) Mini Cooper cut in half uh, with mahogany wood in it. So he 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 said, "I always want to feel like I'm driving to work, even when I'm sitting at home." Yeah, I decided that the world is moving to electric cars, and uh, this mission of all um, of all um, thermic engines, etc. And uh, as usual, I decided to go the other way around and said. Hmm. If, if this is the last time, I want to have it. If they are going really to dismiss uh, it, I want to have it. But possibly this is not going to happen. And I fell in love with this car. It makes me, you know, it flashed my mind when I start, when I uh, turn on the engine, I just drive. Mm-hmm. And that's what I need sometimes. Just uh, think about nothing and, uh, and get in touch with the real it, world. Yeah. Sorry? 
which which the series Cayman. yeah it's the the Cayman, Cayman um, it, it's um, which series of Cayman is the last one is the twenty twenty shit so it's the two liters it's not the three liters original that's it, it, they they removed two cylinders and they made the turbo which is good anyway it's a uh, three hundred uh, horsepower out of the of the factory and then you can make a little bit of tweak and get up to three and eighty and speaking so. speaking about speed um let's get up to speed about what echo is up with with guy x because i think emma has some updates for us as well before we get into um the next round so yeah bring us up to speed Emma. i mean first off great to be joining you again <laughs> was the time went by <laughs> i was waiting for the invitation again <laughs> and it came <laughs> uh, no i'm just kidding um so uh, yeah, of course, uh, we had a summer break, but Guy X was not sleeping, of course, uh, not at all. I think one of uh, a great milestone that were achieved and with great success, to be honest, was the first Guy X hackathon that was uh, conducted end of August. And um, I was not myself participating, uh, but unfortunately, but um, as what I've heard, we had over 250 registrations from 27 countries so that's impressive for our first hackathon and um, we uh, the hackathon focused more or less on 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 different topics such as self-description orchestration identity access manage so, uh, management um, so many topics to be covered and we had two scenarios over two days uh, in, in two different working streams the one was uh, scenarios for data to compute and the other for compute to data so, and uh, anyone out there listening who is interested into getting more information on it uh, can uh, go into GitLab because every set the sessions and also the coding results um, are even, I, I don't think, I think they are planned or maybe they are even already added into the GitLab. So anyone who's interested getting more information can go there and have a look. And of course, we will keep you updated because of course it was only the first kickstart. There will be more hackathons to come also uh, in this year. I think, I'm not sure, Francesco, do you know? I think it was end of November or no, October, I think in October. It was end of October, but we decided to postpone it a little bit because we have the summit in November mm. and other events, so we, we didn't want to overlap. Yeah, but definitely by the end of the year, we will have the second one. Second one, yeah. Because of course, it's important to also establish an uh, open source community behind Gaia X. And that's, of course, also one goal of, of Gaia X to have it as an open community. And um, even more important for myself, to be honest, uh, something else is something really great is that we've extended our team for the Gaia X. Uh, federation services project because uh, in the last couple of months as i've already talked about it in the last podcasts uh, we have uh, we are working on the development of the gaia x federation services and now we've taken on a second challenge <laughs> and that is to actually really work on spreading the knowledge to a broader audience out there so uh, we have a second stream that is focusing on dissemination of the Gaia acceleration services so um, we have now uh, three new colleagues in our team working full-time on on really working um, to yeah put up the content and uh, spread it out there and so we are working on white papers we will have different roadshows over the next couple of months and 
we are working also on some videos for everyone out there to get a better understanding also what functionalities are behind the Gaia Exploration Services and to actually get a step into the world <laughs> of Gaia X and the Federation Services. So I think that's also something exciting and yeah, the people out there can be excited as well to get more information on that. And um, also events are starting. Actually, I had a really great discussion with uh, uh, Pierre Grognier, um, the uh, CTO of GAIAX, and Peter Kremer, the uh, head of uh, the German GAIAX Hub, were on the panel as well. It was a session conducted by Tech Quartier and OVH Cloud, and we had a great discussion covering the GAIAX in the context of startups, and we also got some feedback, also constructive feedback from startups, and I think it's also something that we should yeah, take really seriously, because I cannot stop repeating. Uh, Gaia X is not especially something for the big ones out there. It should, it's of course, something for startups and also SMEs in Europe. And um, yeah, the feedback we've gotten and that we've also discussed in the in the panel discussion uh, were, um, yeah, feedback concerning that uh, startups feel it's really difficult for them to to get a step into the Gaia-X work and the community's activities going on, and they don't really feel like they have a, a big impact or um, a big influence. So their voice, they have the feeling, the impression that their voice is not really heard. Um, that was just one startup, um, but of course, um, we had also some other startups saying that they're already pretty much involved, but I think it's also something that, yeah, we should take seriously and uh, really address as well. And I think this also already brings me to you, Francesco. Uh, how do you uh, how do you see this? Do you already also got some feedback in this uh, direction? Or uh, I mean, you of course talk also to startups, I guess. Oh yes, absolutely. Uh, first of all, when I joined um, back in March, one of the first um, uh, exercises I made for in for self induction. I started a, a, a big virtual tour to interview each and every single member of the association. At that time, we had uh, roughly 180. Now we are 300 more. And spending half an hour each, it was a huge endeavor. We did it, me and Pierre. But I think I, I did most of them because I really wanted to uh, ask each and every one the very same question who you are, why you join, what is your expectation out of GAIA-X, what can you do for GAIA-X, and any suggestions. And this was extremely useful because, uh, as you can imagine, I ran into all, all sides of companies, from startups, unknown, small companies doing incredibly interesting things, uh, um, absolute experts in, in areas that are so uh, difficult to find skills, and, uh, and, and as well, large companies from the users or the enterprise, uh, sorry, or the users or, or, the, or the technology provider sites that have different type of concerns and, and maybe interests. So it, it, Gaia-X is a real ecosystem. And as such, it represents well also the differences, the idiosyncrasies at times between the different uh, companies, but everybody, agrees on the fact that is a not one table but many tables where everybody has a seat everybody has a say and the 
there is meritocracy. In other words, if you know what you're saying, you are listened to. This is the spirit uh, I'm strongly uh, trying to build, and I think we are we are doing a lot of lot, lot of changes in that direction. Me and Pierre are extremely open to listen to anyone that can bring idea. We are really open to be criticized by anyone who really knows much better than us what we're trying to do. And uh, to be honest, I found in startups the best contributors so far. Not because we don't have skills in large companies, but because startups by definition have a different type of dynamics. They need to leave on, uh, let me say, their ideas. They, 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 their, their only success is driven by having good ideas, strongly believing in it, being capable to bring it to the market, gain traction. And you, you, you have to be extremely well-motivated, capable, and, um, and determined. This is what we need in, in GaiaX. Because you know, GaiaX is, is a strange thing. It's a mix between an association and a project. And if you understand this, you understand my biggest struggle because an association by definition has no deliverables, has no deadlines, uh, cannot choose the people uh, you work with. Uh, a project is the opposite. You have to have the best team, you have to have the best people, you have one leadership, you have deadlines, you beat the time and you get it. And I've been used to working that way. So. Um, one side you have a great power of many people on the other side it's like data once upon a time we used to talk about big data now we talk about small data you need to get the right ones the good ones the useful useful ones sometimes the right people are in the small companies and the startups to make a concrete example what we are doing pierre and myself we have decided to have uh, two swim lanes one is the standard swim lane of, a, of an association with all the tables which are, and the committees, which are extremely necessary because those are the big uh, audience where you can get criticized, you can bring idea, but if necessary, they take a long time. Also because they have to assess all the possible implications from a legal antitrust um, regulatory, uh, which is not just technology. On the other side, we have a fast track, a swim lane with speed boards, where we uh, aim to develop quickly, fast prototyping, POCs, MVPs, we call them MVGs, Minimum Viable GAIAX. And that's where we are making progress. And you can imagine that th there are a lot of startups that are working in, in, in that area. And not only they are willing to provide their intellectual property, giving out their intellectual property, for free because they realize that by doing this they have more chance to become let me say more visible in the future because they would be all of a sudden guy x compliant given they, they give given out something but they realize much faster possibly than large enterprise what they can get back so absolutely yes we are open and of course there is startups that simply don't have the time and power or or the investments to work for their startup and GAIAX, and I fully understand that. But there is also many others that are doing this because they had decided to invest in GAIAX more than in, let me say, in their own market they can develop. Because of course, it's a great opportunity for connection, it's a great opportunity for bringing ideas, it's a great opportunity for marketing in the end. It's a big, uh, possibly the largest opportunity in Europe you can have. Mm. And I also think to be fair, um... 
I think it's also always important to say that, um, I mean, you know it even better, Francesco, but the IISBL, the association has only been established, what is it, six months ago, uh, officially. So, of course, you are now, everyone is working also really hard on, on structuring the work and to really uh, make it transparent for people to understand how they can collaborate. But I think there are, as you said, different tables and uh, I, I think, yeah, maybe first to understand how they can contribute and then they they, they will find their place on, on the at the tables to join. Yeah, and, and just to add on that and, and giving me the opportunity to speak here, uh, it is true. I mean, it's a big association, so there can be several uh, problems. Sometimes you, you struggle to find... Uh, the people to talk to and um, if you pass through the official channels you might not be listened in time but we are open i have been living my professional career in, in an open door environment so everybody knows they can reach out to me they can call me they send me an email they can do that with pierre and the shortcut sometimes is heavy because you, you get all sorts of complaints all sorts of feedbacks but most of the time we get, you know, raw diamonds that just, you know, reach out and say, look, I don't know which working group to work with. I tried to call uh, X to email Y and Z. Nobody answered me. Maybe I'm useless, but this is what I do. And we pick them up. I'm suggesting to not look at the association as a pure, perfect mechanisms of organization and structure. Look at us as a big startup. It's just not the door walk on the corridor, jump in and talk to whoever you want. For sure, mm -hmm. you will not find people that pushes you back. Maybe there is a lot to, to, to do and it will take time, but we are open and in this way, we can do much more than expecting this association to become perfect, let me say, process-wise. But, but I also think one, of, uh, one great opportunity for everyone out there to get a, a better understanding of what is happening in the Gaia-X world will be in November, end of November, I think, or, or mid of November, the next Gaia-X summit. 18th and 19th of November, the same dates of, uh, of last year summit. It will be, um, yes, it's a Thursday and Friday. We will be broadcasting from Milan, not because I'm Italian, but we wanted to give a, a sign of uh, internationality. And uh, it's not just Franco-German, uh, but we, we really embrace oh, many countries now, 25 countries, 90% are European, but not all. It's probably for the and food of, and the wine. Um, <laughs> of course. And, uh, but, but also it would be a, an opportunity, or, and, and it would be, of course, open to everybody online and everybody can attend. Also the format we have chosen is that it will be as, uh, for the first time last year, it was not possible, uh, a small team of um, speakers <coughs> and guests in Milan. So we will physically be there, which is useful also for us because you can imagine that I've not had the chance to meet so many people so far, but, um, and as well, we, we will have the regional hubs participating from their location virtually, but everybody oh, will. Nice meet in their place so it would be a kind of physical virtual digital uh event and uh there would be a lot uh, the the we say the storyboard is here we are this is the people so it's not just double things or paperwork 
this is it. So we are doing real stuff. So we will talk about deliverables. We will talk about progress. Andreas uh, and Pierre and others will talk about the Federation service. You, uh, Emma, we will be there. Talk about the Federation services. We will show uh, concrete examples of data space uh, projects. Mm -hmm. We will let the, 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 the hubs speak because the apps community is paramount, is crucial. So we want them to be visible. And uh, of course, we will uh, also talk about some institutional representatives from the governments um, mm. because that is important because GAIAX is a totally private association. We are not subsidized or granted by any um, government or European Commission. We are the voice of the market. But because of that reason, we are very well listened to. We are representative, we, we are influential, and our talking to the politics and the, and the policymaker is continuous to make sure that we can help uh, taking the right choices in such a crucial moment of Europe. Yeah, that sounds uh, really amazing, and I'm already looking forward to it because, of course, also. Uh, for me personally, it's uh, not always easy <laughs> to follow every activity going on in Gaia X at Gaia, in the Gaia X world. So that's great. But uh, uh, Paul, Tim, we also have another great event coming up, and uh, I think you are also working really hard on it to very also... hard and sleepless nights <laughs> <laughs> because because um, we're trying to bring um, the entire industry together because. Um, well, we have the data center world, the big data and AI world, and then the cloud expo. And obviously, um, I would say the, 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 the red string throughout this entire year is Gaia X. So, um, yeah, we put the Gaia X theater up just to basically um, everybody can come in for the worship and hear some wise words from everybody that uh, has something to say about Gaia X. And Francesca's going to be there, yourself is there, and Pierre and a few other people. Um, uh, uh, we're going to be speaking different uh, themes. There's going to be automotive panel. You have the likes of Hartmut Müller, CTO of Daimler, sitting on the panel speaking about why it's so important for Daimler. Then um, you'll have a digital sovereignty panel. Um, also, of course, not to forget this, the race to net zero, which is sustainability. So we're also going to be speaking a little bit about the sustainable aspect of um, Gaia-X because with infrastructures growing, you also need to keep in mind that you need to protect the planet, um, mm. which is something really important. And myself and Tim, uh, we just got invited to COP26. Um, so we're going to be um, up there in Scotland with yeah. the open source people speaking about uh, open source and how open source can help with um, protecting the planet. So we're really excited about that one and um, hopefully bring some great stories from there and also with us to um, to Germany in um, December. But but yeah, um, I'm going to ask all the difficult questions. Um, Francesco, <laughs> as the CEO, do you think the project is going according to plan? Well, yes, to be honest, uh, I was struggling at, at the beginning, like any ramp up. Um, but I, I believe we you have to be a little bit lucky, to be honest. Uh, sometimes you, you, you make the choice, the right choices at the right time and things go very fast. Uh, in, I think we did the right choices at the, at the beginning. It was quite bumpy. It was a, quite a bumpy road because we, jump, we jumped in, Pierre and myself, possibly 
um, in a little bit rusty way because we started to say what we think we should do. And when you jump in a big organization that has been working for more than one year, even just thinking about it, if, if not yet creating all the deliverables, and you have so many hundreds of people that have an opinion, it takes time. Even if you're saying the right thing, or maybe you're, you're saying the wrong thing, but it takes an awful lot of time to get to understand each other. So we focused at the beginning to, uh, this is not a joke, the first release, uh, when, when we joined the first release of Pierre of the technical architecture document was focused on the glossary and the logical model. Because the glossary was one of the main obstacles. If you talk to each other and, and we are using different lingos, we get nowhere. Maybe we're saying the same thing, but we don't understand each other. And the logical model, again, uh, it's important because if you don't understand logical elements for physical elements, uh, data from services. Uh, so we, I think the, the first uh, set of deliverables was a kind of housekeeping to get all on the same page. From that point on, we started to introduce some very innovative concepts like decentralized autonomous organization, distributed consensus. Uh, we started talking about digital ledgers um, and we are working in that direction. We are walking the talk, but all these concepts are pretty complex, not well uh, known uh, and not well established yet. But when you do something um, innovative, you have to look always ahead. This is my philosophy. Maybe I learned when I was working on, uh, on the military, but I was used to work on projects that would have uh, been deployed maybe in two, three years of time in, in the best case, it, they should be ahead of technology. So when we started the, set, the specification for a new radar system, for a new uh, forward-looking infrared system, basically the requirements were impossible, but nobody was scared because you know, you knew that that technology would have allowed you to achieve the result in two, three, four years time. So you have always to look ahead. And this has always been my philosophy. I, I'm trying to bring in, in bring it in uh, Gaia X, uh, and I think we are we are gaining success. What we will see in November will be tangible results. What we are working behind the scenes is finding lighthouse projects to quickly implement the concept. So we are moving from concepts to market. We have already identified five lighthouse projects based on. Uh, as many data spaces. We have already started working on a large lighthouse project, which is called Catena X that you might know about. It's the first large data space around um, automotive. Another one has started and is progressing, which is uh, data around mobility uh, in German. I can't pronounce it, it's DRM, but it's about mobility. Uh, and we have others in healthcare, and uh, tourism and others. But also we are thinking about, um, we, we are making sure that all these data space projects leverage the very same infrastructural components and elements. So in this way we can design for reuse and with reuse and accelerate the development of all the GAIA-X uh, architecture implementation. We need several projects running in parallel 
and I think by the end of the year we will have uh, for sure one already deploying uh, deliverables, which is the GAIX Federation Services. Catena X will uh, as well deliver the first deliverables. We will have other three or four minimum Lighthouse projects started. We will have 16 uh, data space projects funded by the BNWI, uh, the Minister of Economy and, and Energy in Germany, uh, specifically on developing GAIA-X data spaces. We have another large project started in France for the development of Federation services. Uh, we call it the French project. We will be financed by the Direction Générale d'Economie. We have uh, another, uh, it's not started yet, but another direction of investment by the French government for another 100 and 150 million on data spaces like the German initiative. Uh, in Italy, we are uh, working on uh, the same thread uh, and there, there is a lot of connection between Italy, France and Germany to rebuild that famous trilateral agreement that worked so well in industry 4.0. And now I can tell you that the intention is to make it successful also for GAIA-X and for many other um, initiatives. So there is a lot, let me say, behind the scenes. Uh, there is a large organization with all the, 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 the goods and the bads that everybody sees, uh, but we have the right people and we are all committed to achieve one result, deploy it, deliver it. So our common objective, I'm talking for the board of directors, uh, the management board that I lead and, and all the members is to deploy something by the end of the year. Whatever it takes, like my prime minister used to say, mm. prime minister Draghi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really interesting. I think it's also important for the other people out there because I think with the first Lighthouse project starting, it will also get more tangible for, for the others out there to understand how GAIA-X could or might work uh, in the specific scenarios. Um, what would you, also interesting from my side, um, what would you say, what are also the key, other key actions uh, of the AISBL for the next, I don't know, six months? Next to the, I heard that um, there's also a discussion going on regarding some labels. I was got yeah. that into the discussion. Well, labeling is a, is a light motif. Actually, we started working on label back in March. A uh, first release it was internal uh, release was uh, delivered in April, and then we started the usual long discussions because this is a again a disruptive approach to the old concept of certification. So in other words, we want the GAIA-X architecture to be self-verifiable. Um, self and um, the word I, I've used when I, when I joined, and I, I know Andreas Weiss did, did not understand what I, what I meant, but I think now uh, he, he knows, it, it's regulation by automation. I was so, so long in, uh, involved in the, in the IT business to understand that players get annoyed by the standards and uh, regulatory uh, coming and you have to spend time to certify and, uh, and undergo uh, audits and just to get a piece of paper, to be honest. And you can always work around whatever kind of rule they, they, they set up. So the, this regulation by automation is a simple thing. Why don't we, we let's, make technology self-certify itself. This was not possible some years ago, 
now is becoming possible. And the simple idea behind the labels is that we are building a framework where you basically can publish a GAIA service. How you publish a GAIA service, simply you describe it using a descriptor. You can imagine you know, a meta language, you can imagine an XML just for, for simplicity or a JSON file. This descriptor has to be in a certain format. So first of all, you, you have to verify the consistency. You have to make the consistency check. Is that sufficient? No, this is conformancy. And then you have the attributes described in this descriptor that tell that you are German, French, and the service is delivered from your home office or uh, the, 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 the maintenance and the monitoring is done from Asia or wherever. And all these characteristics constitute the identity card of your service. So we run through other checks and we go and verify that team uh, actually uh, uh, wear glasses, but uh, in his identity card, he does not have glasses or he, he has long hair, but unfortunately I see it here, uh, that's not the case. So maybe you can find these discrepancies, no but again, we try to do it. <laughs> <laughs> we try to do it electronically. We try to do it through software. Something can be certified, verified, qualified automatically, something not. But the exercise we are doing is let's try to work the other way around. Let's see what can be verified. Let's try to find an automatic way to do it. And if not, let's leave the traditional manual certification, which might be, okay, I have this certification. I'm ISO 27028 certified. It's a piece of paper, fair enough. But if I cannot verify that in an automatic, in a digital way, I will acknowledge that. That means we can reach the highest level of automatic verification than any other can do. At that point, we collect the report of this verification into a sort of attributes verification matrix. At that point, we have, you know, like the policemen have controlled my card, uh, identity card, has verified me, and if nothing wrong, say, okay, you can pass. And then we put the service, we publish the service into our common registry. Let's call it the GAIAX registry. From that point on, the labeling is nothing less is nothing more than a side effect. In other words, a label is, okay, I want a label that says that my service is secure and adapt for, I don't know, critical data. We are still defining what type and how many labels, but you can imagine that people don't want to know all the nitty gritty behind what that means. They just want to know that this is critical, fine. Like when you buy a bottle of wine, it's written, this is Chianti D-O-C-G. Denominazione origine controllata. You don't go and check whether this is true or not because you are assured this is the case. So we want to be the bottle of wine label for the digital services to make it easy for people to buy services and ensure, not because it's the GAIA-X, the ESBL, or anyone else saying it, the technology itself will certify it for you. It's a simple story to tell. It was not possible just a few years ago. Now it's becoming possible, but as I said, it's a disruptive approach, but real, real fun, believe me. I love your example with the wine bottle, because this is what the... <laughs> no, I just felt like I had an audience of the Pope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would have been in Latin, perhaps. No, well, or, or, or um, Spanish, because he's uh, Argentine. But yeah, so the everyday man on the street, what, how would you say, or when do you think, or will it ever be uh, the case that 
the people because GAIAX is B2B. Um, but the everyday consumer, everyday guys uh, on the street, will they ever notice that GAIAX is now um, implemented or how will it be part of their lives? How will it impact their lives? And uh, with that, yeah, I'd like to wrap that up because we... Well, yeah, actually, we you can ask in a different way. Will GAIAX ever be in the school books? Yeah, yeah. for example. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope so, but uh, I, I think it would be great. To be honest, that's a great question. Everybody keeps asking me because when they understand what we're trying to do, say, well, I like it. Why can't I have my email on, on a guy access? It will happen. But you know why? If we have kind of lost the battle of commercial data in Europe, right? we cannot start from that uh, side of the play field. We need to start from another side, from industrial data. We need to, to build this new concept of a trusted platform, platforms where we can share data. But in the end of the day, the underlying infrastructure is the same. So if you're selling mm. a collaboration platform, an email service, or whatever you want, it's just a matter to find the right application and make it run on a, on a GAIA-X uh, infrastructure. I think, uh, to answer your question, uh, because there is one important thing I, I, I did not mention the bottle of wine by accident. You know, the characteristic of the label of the bottle of wine is twofold, because if you are a wine producer, through the label, you show how good is your wine. If you mm -hmm. are a, a wine reseller or a restaurant, through your label, you show how good you, is your food and your service. So the label is for both users and providers. So mm -hmm. to me, this is a huge branding operation for Europe. Once the brand is out, you can recognize the brand of IBM, the brand of Microsoft, and you could buy anything from Apple, like any Apple maniac, because of the brand we are missing a European brand. So my hope is that once we have the brand, the consumer market will pull and therefore the creation of consumer services will not be a big deal, believe me, because we, we don't miss anyone in Europe. We have all the minds, all the smart people and also the smart products we need. They are just fragmented and not supported by a united large initiative like GAIA-X. But GAIA-X is supposed to be a global product, not a European product, right? Absolutely. It's born in Europe, by European, for Europe and beyond. And that's why we have also Asian, American, Korea and Japan joining. We are just trying to implement what any human being would like to have. A civil society, common rules, not apply just to human beings, but also to platforms, because platforms are becoming our digital twin and cannot get out of we cannot do without it perfect amazing are I, you um, gonna buy gaia x did i get a, a good sales pitch i would i would buy a, a wine bottle labeled with gaia x for okay, sure. okay okay <laughs> deal um no thank you very much um i would say the last words are with the guest so francesco this is for you to leave your mark for the generations to come i never Never believe those that tell you that it is not possible. That's it. I, I, as I said, yeah, <laughs> that's it. I mean, <laughs> just oh, walk the talk and never believe those that tell you that it's over. It is never over unless you give up. Amazing. Perfect. Thank you so much. Emma, do you want to add something to that? I think that's the perfect ending. Thank you so much. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you for being a guest and hope to see you soon. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Bye, folks. guys. Bye. Thanks, Francesco. And good morning, Europe. Your Gaia X updates live from London by the Uptime Punks and Echo. Bye.